Welcome to the Church on the Rock podcast. It is our prayer that this message brings hope and encouragement into your life as you go about your week. Thanks for tuning in. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We're going to be at verse 15. Uh, if you have you version on your phones, you can check it out there as well. Uh, you can go into events and you will see Church on the Rock and there'll be some notes there. Uh, Romans 7 is kind of a cool um, reading, and I think you'll get a kick out of this if you haven't ever read this portion of Scripture. But this is Paul speaking, who wrote two-thirds of the nest of the New Testament. He says this. He said, I don't really understand myself. Anybody ever felt that way? I don't really understand myself. And it doesn't say I really don't understand my spouse. It says I really don't understand myself. I want to do what's right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing the wrong. It's that sin that tries to continue to live in my body or in me that does it. And I know that nothing good is in, my, is in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I do what's wrong. I want to do what's good, but I don't But I don't want to do, well, see, I can't even read this thing. Let's start at 19. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. This guy is like, what's going on here? But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It's the sin that's living me that's doing it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God. With my heart. How many can say that today? I love God with all of my heart. I love God with all my heart. But there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. And we see it mind in our flesh. This power makes me a slave to the sin that still tries to work within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. You ever get to that point where you're like, ugh. What a miserable person. What I want to do, I'm not doing. What I hate to do, I'm doing it. What's wrong with me? I really don't understand myself. Who will free me from this life that dominates me, that gets me in sin, that gets me in things that are producing death? And then he gives us the answer. He gives us the answer. It says, thank God. Thank God. The answer is, everybody say it. You got to do it better than that. Thank God. The answer is. One more time, thank God the answer is, come on now, give the Lord a hand clap for that. It's Jesus in us. So I'm going to be preaching today, I'm going to be preaching today on this, the struggle is real. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. Lord, we thank you that according to Romans chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that our eyes are opened, and our ears are opened, and our heart is ready to see. To receive, and the enemy who has blinded our hearts and blinded our minds and blinded our and made our ears where we can't hear, he is bound today, and people are in an atmosphere to receive. Lord Jesus, Amen. Say, Lord, I want to receive today. I want to receive today in Jesus' name, Amen. Do you ever feel like there's two versions of you? There's like a private version, and then there's a public version. 
And then there's like, some of you might even say, man, I really don't even know if there's two versions of me. There might be seven versions of me. I got a Monday version, a Tuesday version. A, how many know what I'm talking about? A Wednesday, Thursday, uh, even, it, it just depends. Every day we're hit with so many different things. There's like, what, there, there's so many different people. There's so many different things. The fact is, is that we struggle for consistency. We struggle for consistency. We struggle to be the person that we think we ought to be or the person that we want to be or the person that we think we ought to be. And we see sometimes that there's another person, another uh, uh, something else that's happening, another power in you that it's like pulling you like this where you're back and forth. Have you ever felt like that uh, even in your life that like, the Spirit, you get filled with the Spirit at church, or you get filled with the Spirit in your prayer, your Bible reading in the morning, and then how many just feels like it just leaks out? Like you got a leak that you need to stop up or something, and there's this constant struggle to be consistent. Can we be honest this morning? I think that we need to be honest and say that everyone struggles with consistency. Everyone struggles like Paul said. You even see it. You know, we start January. I'm going to lose 15 pounds in January. This is my year. Things are going to happen for me this year. This year's my year. And uh, in March, how many say we gain 15 pounds? Or we say, hey, I'm going to go back to school. Or I'm going to start reading more books. Or I'm going to start uh, in, in increasing some area of my life. I'm going to do something to better myself. And then you're like in March and you're like, you can't even remember what you wrote down and what you were challenged yourself with. Let's be, many, let's be honest today. Many of us have troubles fulfilling commitments. Many of us have troubles doing what we say we want to do. And, and in fact, there's a lot of people... It, it, it says, I love the Lord with all my heart. There's a lot of people, the intentions are good. It, it, it's all good. In fact, one of my greatest mentors, and we're going to put him on the screen, but one of my greatest mentors uh, said this, I always start the day with good intentions, then I get out of bed, and that's usually, see how he spells usually, uh, usually, usually, where it all goes wrong. How many can identify with this? renowned person of wisdom on our board today anybody out there say amen or oh me come on but if we're honest today if we're honest today we say brian i love the lord seriously how many of you say that you do love the lord i I do i i love the lord i I really want to i i try i love the lord how many say you love his word like man god i love your word I, I, I love to come to church. I love being around people of God. I love, I love, I desire to be a Christian. I desire to do the right thing. But the truth is, Pastor Brian, I still struggle with common sense. There's still some things in my life. I've been going around this same mountain for years. Not even years, Pastor. It's turned into decades, Brian. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? You know, typically there's a couple of areas that, that you're like, am I ever going to get over this? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Don't, let's don't sit out there in our self-righteousness thinking that we don't have anything. There's usually a couple of things. There's usually a couple of things that we typically, everybody has to struggle with. And then in other areas in your life, you're like, I'm okay with that. In fact, some of the things that I might struggle with, you're like, that ain't a struggle at all for me. But some of the things that you might struggle with, I'm like, that's not a struggle for me. All right? 
I actually liked it when I went to India because it's not a struggle to me to want to uh, go to a, a Buddhist temple or worship Hin- or be in Hindu or something. That's not a struggle to me to have idols and things like that. But man, over here, and my gosh, you go down the road and you're like, my Lord, how can a man stay pure in this unclean world? Everywhere you look, there's lust and there's, and there's stuff put on billboards and stuff on TV and the things you see. I mean, you're just bombarded with all this stuff. So everybody's is different. Some people can watch stuff on TV that others can't watch. Some people can go places that other people can't go. Everybody's working it out. Everybody's working it out. But here's what upsets me. There are many beautiful, beautiful, faith-filled, called people that love God with all their heart. They're on their faith journey, and they want to hang it up because they find themselves saying, I'm struggling with the same old thing. They get down on themselves, and they're like, man, I must not be called. And I must be weak. I'm not too good at this Christian thing. I must not have God with me. Maybe God's mad at me. Maybe he's not even with me anymore. What, what, what's happening here? And they get so discouraged that there are so many ministers that are stepping out of the ministry. I'm telling you, it is an epidemic of ministers that are stepping out of the ministry. There are so many people that the, the, the cares and the trials and, the, and the, hit, the way life hits us. There's so many people that are stepping out and getting on the sidelines. You know, I want to tell you something. The enemy is not omnipresent. In other words, he can't be everywhere at one place. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. Because Come on, somebody say Jesus. Come on, Jesus is all-powerful. He's not, every, he's not all-knowing. In, in fact, um, a lot of what the enemy knows is because of the negative confession that comes off our mouth. That's what we tell him. He's not omniscient. He, can't re- he doesn't know your, your thoughts. But what he is, uh, the enemy, he, he's not any of those. But what he does is he listens and he watches. And one thing he is is that he is persistent and he is perceptive. And he watches for your mistakes and he listens for your words because you tell him your weaknesses. And just like a fighter watches films of his opponent and he learns their weaknesses so that when he fights with him, he can expose that weakness and he can attack that weakness with, and he can hit that place where that fighter's vulnerable. A good coach like Alex, a, a great coach, he might say, hey, this guy that you're getting ready to fight, uh, he keeps his left arm down. You can get some jabs in on him. Or he might say, Alex might say, he doesn't guard his core very well. I want you to beat this fighter down because he doesn't guard his core. Or this fighter that you're getting ready to fight, his legs are weak. And I want to see you do some sidekicks over and over and over. And I want, I want you to hone in on that vulnerability. I want you to hone in on that weakness. And I want you to bring that fighter down. And just like that boxer, that fighter exposes our weaknesses and our hurts and he inflicts the pain. And man, when the cut comes open, it's like, Pounce, go get it. He's getting on the ropes. He's going down. That's an amazing, it's an amazing illustration of the way the enemy is. He watches the film. He sees your vulnerabilities. He knows where you don't defend. He knows where you leave yourself open. He knows these things and he attacks that. He attacks that and he hits it and he hits it and he hits it. You know, even in the Bible, in the Bible it says that where the carcass is, there will the vultures be. 
The enemy can sniff out when you're missing church. The enemy can sniff out when you're starting to get cold in your faith walk. The enemy can sniff out when you're starting to set your word. He, he watches you set your word aside. He watches that you're stopping your prayer life and that you're, you're, you're not attending church like, you're, like the scripture says, don't forsake the assembling as a lot of people are in the habit of doing, knowing this, that the day of the Lord is at hand and if there's a time to be in church, it's now. Jesus loved the church and Jesus died for the church. Church is an awesome thing. It shouldn't be something that's put down at the bottom of your list. It needs to be a high value on your list because the day and the hour that we live in. Amen. The enemy can sniff that out. He sniffs out when people have a stench of death, just like vultures. Doesn't it amaze you how vultures can see a little mouse die in a field with a bunch of grass? You can't even see it with your eye. It's the way the enemy is. The fact is, I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear this today. And after you, after you hear this, I want you to put your hands together and clap in victory for yourself today. Because the word says, clap your hands, all you people. And the shouting to God was some triumph. But listen to this. The fact that you get hit and that you struggle, it's not an indication that you don't love God or that God has left you. But rather, it's an indication that you are a threat to the enemy. Come on, give the Lord a hand today. You are a threat to the enemy. If you didn't matter, if you didn't matter, you wouldn't have any trials. If you didn't matter, he wouldn't. Some of you guys in the men's thing, Chad, that you guys are doing, the reason the enemy hits you, some of you guys and some of you ladies on so hard, is because he knows what you're capable of. And these men are coming out of and getting delivered at men's encounter. And they're getting back and having post-encounter. And, of course, you're going to get hit. You're going to have a big mark on you that says, take that man down or take that woman down. But I'm telling you, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Glory to God, there needs to be victory in the house. Thank you, Jesus. Paul, one of the greatest disciples, sounded like Dr. Seuss. Conflicted, twisted, confused, on the ropes in a fight. What I want to do, I can't do. What I hate to do, I do. He depicted something that I want to, that I'm saying today is the struggle is real. Say it to your neighbor. Struggle's real. Also, look at your neighbor and say, don't think you're the only one going through a struggle. See, the enemy will do that to you, won't he? Won't he? Won't the enemy tell you you're the only one? You're not. Here's what you got to do. Once we notice that there is a struggle, we have to know that Jesus is Lord of my spirit, my soul, and my body. Guys, remember we are threefold. That's why I like that running class. I think they're making it on Saturday. I hope people go sign up for that. I believe in being fit spiritually, soulish, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. I believe in being fit in all three of those areas. Some of us need to uh, work on some of our nutrition. Do, do you know that some of your nutrition and the way you're eating can affect your anxiety? 
It can. It, food is a huge thing, guys. You're, you're talking to someone. I believe God delivers me from that stuff, but I got to do things that I know to do to, to help with those things, too. Eating. If I don't eat right, my anxiety goes up every time. If I'm not exercising, anxiety goes up. If I'm just letting my mind go wherever it wants to go. You know, sometimes negativity can come in my mind like a machine gun where you can't even stop it all. I, I, I tell you, if there's a way to take anything, I can spin it. To, it's going to be bad somehow. Okay? But that, so, so, so that's that war that's going on. But here's what I want to tell you. When you're born again, and I, and I tried to hit this last week when we talked about that we died with Christ, that we're, you need to think 2,000 years ago when, you, when Christ died, you died with him. You died to the body of sin, and you died to the, to the nature. You notice it talks about the nature of sin. Well, listen in today as we go through this. But when, but when Christ, when, when you died with Christ, and when you died with Christ, listen, you died in Adam. And therefore, if any man, uh, when you come up in your resurrection, you died to Adam, but you're raised in Christ. Therefore, if any man be, say it, in Christ, you're a new what? Creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things do. God takes His Spirit and puts it in your heart where you say, Abba, Father. God takes His Spirit and puts it in your spirit. And listen to me. This is truth. Your spirit is 100% born again. Last week when I did 1 John 3, verse 9, I said, He that's born of God cannot sin. You were all like, holy smoke. Your spirit... It's born of God and it cannot sin. Listen, all the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, you possess all of that when you're born again in, the, in your spirit. And brothers and sisters, that's why, listen, that's why it's important that you, you put the breastplate of righteousness over your heart when you put the, the armor on because you need to guard your new spirit. You need to guard your new heart because the enemy wants to put a dagger in your new heart. Because out of the issue, out of the heart, comes the issues of life. All the love you need, you've got it. Joy, peace, patience, it's in you. You're born again. You have a new heart. You're not an old sinner that's being reformed and your heart's kind of being fixed. No, your old heart was taken out. And God put a new heart in you. That's, what, that's what's wrong with Christianity because it still gets back into your performance. It's a new heart. It's a new spirit. It's all through the New Testament. If, if you can't say you can't see that, then you're not, you're not a, a, a studier of the Word and a reader of the New Testament. It's very clear that your spirit is 100% born again. Listen, your soul and your body are being saved. Your soul and your body. Your soul is your mind. Your soul is your mind, your thoughts, your intellect. It's your will, where Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. How many has ever heard, the Spirit is willing? I love the Lord on the inside, but there's something on the outside that's fighting me. 
There's a power that overpowers me where I can't do what I want because what I want to do is because God put the want to in you. God put the desire in your heart, the purity in your heart. You're not trying to be righteous. You are righteous. You're not trying to be holy. You are holy. You're not trying to be accepted. You are accepted. But we're working it out. We're work- Sorry about passion, but I'm a, I, I, this is passionate preaching to me. The, listen, justification and sanctification are justification is instant. That is your right standing with the Lord. Sanctification is progressive. Justification is our standing with God. Sanctification is our standing with God, with man and, and society. I'll tell you what, we need to start learning to appreciate the process. Don't be frustrated when you're battling. Don't be frustrated in your struggle. Seriously, don't be frustrated in your struggle. Imagine a heart doctor. Anybody ever had heart surgery? Anybody had heart surgery? Lift your hand up. Frank, you did. Hey, Frank, imagine when you went in, if the doctor came in and he said, oh, we're going to do heart surgery on you today, Frank. I've been on the website the last couple of weeks, and I've got my doctor's degree, and I'm going to operate on your heart today. Thank God for progression. Thank God for progression. Hey, uh, you, we've got several pilots in this church. Imagine if you got on the airplane the airplane to fly to your favorite destination and the pilot gets on there and he goes <laughs> I am just so excited today I had such a passion to fly and now I get to fly today how long you been flying oh this is my second week and you're on a triple seven you're like whoa what's up here how many appreciate process hey moms we got a lot of pregnant moms here somebody give praise to God for pregnant moms amen hey mom wouldn't it be kind of strange if the kid popped out and said, Hey, Mom, how's it going? What's for supper? When's kindergarten start? Thinking about driving real soon. Come on. As newborn babes, some of you that are just starting your faith walk as newborn babes, the first thing is you just start desiring the milk. And then you get where you can walk a little bit as a toddler. And you bump your head and you fall down. But then you get through the terrible twos where you're driving God crazy. No, I'm just kidding. Well, there are maybe times where your God's like, oh my goodness. this guy. And then you get into the middle age and the middle school. and the Same thing in the things of the Spirit. Don't despise, turn to your neighbor and say, don't despise the process, the process. Hebrews 10, let's have some scripture on this. For by one offering, Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And here's what I want you to see. When you fall, when you sin, when you do wrong, when you are like this guy in the, in the Bible where, man, I'm not doing what I want to do, the things I hate to do, I'm doing it, what's wrong with me, blah, 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 blah. When you do that, I want you to realize that the blood of Jesus forgives you of all sin and you don't need to be afraid. The Word of God teaches 
that perfect love casts out fear in 1 John chapter 4. And fear says that you don't need to be afraid to come before the Lord and to come before Him thinking you're a piece of junk. But the Bible says all over in Hebrews, Hebrews to, come throw, to come boldly to a throne of... To a throne of what? Or a throne of judgment? A, a, a throne of judgment? Or a throne of grace. You know something about Christians that's different than a lot of religions is Christians will eat their own. Christians will, Christians will beat their own down. That is something we need to change. We need to change on that. And we need to know that there's a process. There's a process happening. Guys, he has perfected forever. It doesn't say he's perfected as long as you're living perfected. It says, He has perfected. Jesus isn't going to forgive you for your sins. He's already forgiven you for your sins. He's forgiven you of your past, your present, and your future sins. And I'm going to even take it another step further. Where I'm even going to take it another step further. We even put too much emphasis on confession. What if you miss some confession? I'll tell you what, I bet we're messing it up in ways we don't even know we're messing it up. Well, if I don't confess it, am I going to hell? If I don't confess it, am I not right with God? The blood of Jesus, I believe in confession. I think confession's more for you than it is God. I think confession's more for you getting it off your heart and you working through things. Because how many times have you got some things worked out with God, but you've had to go talk and confess to someone else because you couldn't emotionally work it out? Or you couldn't, I, I've had, I've had, Emails and texts this week from people asking me advice. And I wrote back and said, it sounds like there's forgiveness between you and God, but our soul is being sanctified. Even Forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not an emotion. Your spirit wants to forgive people. In your spirit, you have the ability to, to forgive people. Your mind will tell you you don't. And your body will say, uh-uh, I'm not going to. That's will. Guys, the, the, the body, the, 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 the spirit and the flesh are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Scripture teaches that. Scripture teaches that in uh, Galatians. In Galatians, um, in Galatians chapter 5, and when we're talking about yielding our soul to the regenerated spirit and yielding our bodies and our flesh to the regenerated spirit, the spirit gives us, the spirit gives desires that are opposite. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, and I'm reading in the NLT. The spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. How many has found that out? Okay. These two forces, I love how the NLT says it. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Your spirit, man, I love the Lord with all my heart. I want to do right. I don't want to sin. I don't want to do these things. And man, I, something overpowers me and my emotions take over and my, my will. I can't make myself do what I know that you want me to do. And, I, and I'm, oh, geez, gosh, I'm just so, so screwed up here. Because these they're fighting each other. So you're not, care, you're not free to carry out your good intentions. 
And you know, I personally, I was looking at quotes on good intentions. I don't like the scripture that says good intent, good intentions are the road to hell or something, or paved to hell. I don't think I like that one. I don't think I like that because I think that you need to have good intentions. And I think that people have good intentions. And they say, well, if you're not carrying out what your good intentions are, then that's the pathway to hell. I don't know what gospel you're reading, but it ain't the one I'm reading. The gospel I'm reading says that I have been perfected forever. I have been made. God demands perfection. But the reason Christ came is because nobody could do perfection. And let me tell you something. Um, it, when, you read, when you read the Romans chapter 7, I didn't want to preach the beginning of it because sometimes I get tired of fighting with people. But you read Romans 7. You read Romans 7 and see what God says about the law. You read Romans 7. And you see what the law's purpose is. And you see why the law came. And you see the purpose of the law. I, I challenge you to look at that stuff. I challenge you to do that. In fact, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna hit this a minute on on uh, on 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 the sermon towards the end. I talk about. I said it's not about falling, but it's about getting up. Repentance is the door to grace, but once you go through the door, it releases the power of God in your life. What do you mean by that? How many's ever read Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah? In the book of Nehemiah, he heard that his people were oppressed. So he went to Jerusalem, and when he went to Jerusalem, he snuck in, he snuck in, and he saw that the walls were torn down, and that, that, that the wood of the gates were burnt. There were no gates in, on the city anymore. And, and, and everybody's house was, was, had been knocked down. And they tried to find some, some, some Hebrews and they were all in hiding. And everything that they had 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 been destroyed. And, was, and, 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 and there was destruction everywhere. But God sent Nehemiah there. And the Bible says that Nehemiah came into that city. And the first thing it says is he said, he viewed the wall. He viewed the wall. How many, how many of you today, when you view your wall, you say, man, the gates are down. My house, is, my house is tore down. Me and my husband, we don't even get along. My kids are rebellious. I don't even know if my marriage is going to make it. You're viewing your situation, and it looks bleak. You're looking, and the gates of your life have been burnt. Where you used to have some, some standards, and you used to have some boundaries that, that, that some of you... Girls and some of you guys had some sexual boundaries to where you said, uh, I'm going to honor God with my body. But maybe the enemy's come in and he's burnt down those doors to where you lay assaulted and destroyed and hurt because you've given your body away and now the person you gave your body to, they don't care less about you now. Not even to say that the, the millions of 
to hundreds of people to get pregnant. And many go on and have abortions. And then they have to deal with the guilt of that. That's why we need to be writing our politicians. We need to be making a stand as a church. Because there is so much pain. How many's ever dealt with somebody that, that did that? The, 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 the guilt they live with. And, and the suffering they have. How many, the, the, Nehemiah viewed the walls. How many of you young people, you're like, doggone it, Pastor Brian, I love God, and I come to church, and I make commitments to Him, and I want to turn over a new leaf, and we set such high expectations that we fail them. We fail, 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 to where you're like, jeez, I have no defense. I'm just ravaged by the enemy. The first thing is he viewed the situation. And then here's what repentance is. Repentance is first, you view it. And then the second part of repentance is is Nehemiah wept. He cried. He was sorrowful. He felt bad. I remember there's been times where I'm repenting of things. And I'll go days where I just cry. You cry, Brian? You betcha. When God's breaking my heart, I cry. The, The only time I do cry is when the Spirit is hitting me. Um. But yeah, I cry, because crying's a way to release things. But here's the deal, kind of like I preached last week, how we're, we die with Christ on the cross, and we're buried with Him. We need to know that it, it, it goes further. It goes further than that. It goes further than that. I wrote this sentence down that said this. It's not what you've been redeemed from. It's what God wants to redeem you to. It's not what you've been redeemed from. It's what God wants to redeem you to. So, with, 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 with repentance, there is a time of viewing. There is a time of feeling real bad. But there, there is a time where you need to start taking your focus off of what's real bad. And yet there's times that because, because what you focus on gets clearer and what you magnify gets bigger. If you keep focusing on your sin, that, 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 is, a, that is a trick of the enemy. And it's also a trick of the church. Preaching law, 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 law. You need to do this. You didn't do that. You failed at this. I don't know about you, but I don't know that many people need that message. I think people know what they are. I think people know what they're doing. I think people have a conviction in their heart. And I can even prove with word because the Bible says that the word of God is written on your heart and it's written on your mind. And the Bible also speaks about the conscience of a man. It convicts him. God even said of Jewish people that didn't even have the Bible. 
never even opened the Bible. He said they're convicted of the very same things that the Jewish rabbis know and they adhere to. Gentiles that don't even have the Bible are convicted of it because the Word of God is written in their hearts and their conscience is either condemning them or it's, it's either accusing them or it's letting them loose. It's there. It's there. That to, to me, there, there needs to come a time where we quit focusing. We view, view the wall. View the wall. View it. Weep about it. Get an old stubborn heart broke. I love it when the snot flies. When people pray. I like it when the snot flies and like you have asthma. I mean, the snots. I like it when you're, when you're embarrassed. It's time to get a little undignified and mess our hair up a little bit and have a hunger for the Lord. But yet, Nehemiah viewed the wall. He wept. And then in his mind, he said, we will rebuild. And the power of God, just came in him to where they did an extraordinary work. You read the book of Nehemiah. I want to talk about this just a little bit longer. Um, whatever, whatever you focus on gets clearer. And whatever you magnify gets bigger. Don't focus on your sin and your struggle. The only way you are going to reign in life, Galatians 5 says, is by the abundance of grace and the gift of the gift of righteousness and the Holy Spirit doing it through you. Next week, you've got to come back. Because next week, the Lord's showing me how to preach about the Holy Spirit doing this through you. Because it's no longer I, but it's Christ in me. Amen? We're going to learn that next week. But I, I, I want to hit this as the musicians are coming. I want to hit this just a little bit. I, I didn't want to hit it, honestly, but I feel the Holy Spirit say, hit it. Hit it. It's not about falling. If you want to write this down, because you got some scriptures in, I put three keys of sanctification. The first key is not what you've been redeemed from, it's where you're being redeemed to. In other words, you know how many people start telling their testimony? Well, I did drugs and I was with this, women and I, da, 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 da. And they spend 30 minutes about how bad they were. And then they say, and I met Christ and uh, I go to church about once a month. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that picture? We, 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 we glorify how bad we were. Yes, we died with Christ. Yes, we were buried, but I don't want to talk about forever how I died with Him and how I was buried. I want to talk about how I can live in Him, how I can live with some purpose, how I can live with some peace, how I can live with some, some direction, and I can use what I've been through to help other people to get through. I want to talk about how I live in Christ. I believe that with all my heart. Then the second point I had was quit trying harder and start trusting more. And that's where I said whatever you focus on gets clearer and whatever you magnify gets bigger. 
focusing. I'm going to talk about law a minute. It's not about falling, but it's about get up. Some people say to me, preacher, I'm not saying this church. I've had this for, I've been pastoring for 32 years. You're always going to have people tell you how to, to preach. But they'll say, they'll say, preacher, why don't you preach more on sin? And more on repentance, bless God. Well, be honest with you, I have. I remember when I, I remember the, when I was, the, my first appointment, my first appointment as a youth pastor at 18, I'm ashamed of this now. Some of you might think, well, that's the way I'd have done it. Then you're wrong. I, I remember I, uh, there was this girl, and um, they came to me and said, thus and so's having sex with thus and so in the youth group. And I was like, oh, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the, God, inherit the kingdom of God. Neither fornicators nor adulterers nor the effeminate of man shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that's in there. That is in there. And then I get up on the youth night, and I only had five youth. And then I went to 1 Corinthians 5, and I said, Yay, the Lord showed me. I'm a southern preacher. That there's fornication in our camp. Such is not common among Gentiles. How could it be in the house of God? And then I started pointing at this girl. And just preaching hard. Hey, I did good. Never saw her again. Good job. She was crying while I was doing it. You don't think she felt filthy? You don't think she knew she did wrong? You don't think that she knew that this guy was a deadbeat and as a one-night fling? I'll tell you, we need to start getting it right in the church. We need to start getting it right. Why don't you preach more on sin, more on repentance? You know what they're really saying? Why don't you preach where people really feel bad and see if they can change themselves? Why don't you make people feel really sorrowful? And why don't you thunder at them and tell them how wrong they are? It's because, why don't I do that? If you, say why, if you say that in a nice way, why don't you do that? Here's why. It's because I firmly believe in my heart of hearts that everyone in this room knows what they aren't, know what they need to be, and it's crystal clear in Scripture, and it's crystal clear with me about what is wrong with them. The law came and told us where we messed up. The law told us where we fall short. The law, the judge, the law became a judge that condemned me. And it, yes, the law shows you what's right and wrong. But listen, the preaching of the law will never save you. The preaching of the law cannot empower you. The preaching of the law cannot make you right with God. The preaching of the law cannot help you live it. Well, are you saying the law is bad? Good question. They asked Paul the same thing. He said, no. I'm not saying the law is bad. What the law did is it told me right from wrong. What the law, no, he said the law is good. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He fulfilled the law because none of you could fulfill it. And our belief in him is the only way we're going to get saved. The law told us what was right and wrong. But guys, the law condemned you to death. 
the law. Do, do you know, I believe this with all my heart. I believe the enemy even takes the law. He, he knows the Bible probably better than you guys. I believe the enemy even takes the law and says, you know what? You're not doing this. Uh, Linda and Tim, I want you to look here and here and here to where you're like, oh, God. I, I, believe, I believe that. The law, you can take the law, you can rub the Ten Commandments on your arm, you can rub it on your face, you, you can, but it'll never save you. It'll never empower you. It'll never free you. What it will do, it'll condemn you. Here's what else the law does. Sorry, but the law raises a bunch of self-righteous, conceited Christians. Because the law spars competition. Spars competition. The Pharisees are like, ooh, they're, they're in the churches. Not our church. Not our church. Um, but, oh, I pray long prayers. Did you read your Bible? I mean, we go through the, did you read your Bible? Did you pray? Did you give? How many say those are good things and the Word tells us to do that? But what happens is competition happens in the body of Christ. And I start seeing people in churches begin to think they're better than Mojo beside them because they read their Bible, they pay tithe, and they serve at church, and they might not have a bunch of sins in their life, and then they look down on somebody sitting beside them because they, they aren't where you're at. That is self-righteousness, and it stinks. It stinks. I can't stand self-righteousness. I can't stand people that, 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 that put everything in their obedience to the law. I'll tell you what, it was one man's obedience. Jesus Christ, who died on a cross 2,000 years ago. Are you saying, uh, guys... You know how hard it is to preach stuff with 30 or 40 minutes? Romans 6 says, well, what do you say then? Shall we continue in sin that God's grace forbid keeps going? Of course not. Of course not. Of course you don't continue in sin. But I'm going to tell you something else. I have found out that it's the love of God, it's the forbearance of God, it's the goodness of God, and it's the mercy of God that makes any kind of change in the heart. And I have also found that legalism and trying to do it yourself only does this, frustrates you. And I have found that when people get head over heels in love with God, there is no law against love. Read it in Romans chapter 13. Read it in James. It's all over the place. If we love God and love people, you don't need all these laws. You're not going to be stealing somebody's wife. You're not going to be lusting at some other man's wife. You're not going to be uh, uh, cursing them and talking behind their back. You're not going to be crazy because you're filled with God's love. Love is always stronger than legalism. Always. Oh, God. Save us today. Save us today. God, change our thinking. Renew our minds with the Word of God.
James chapter 1, it says, Receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to change your soul. In other words, change the way you think. Change your emotions about people. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Lord, I thank you that our spirits are 100% born again. And right now, I want you to say, Lord, I yield my mind. I yield my mind. I yield my emotions to you. I yield my will to you. Man, God, the Holy Spirit's telling me right now that, that God's been asking you for something. God's, there's something where He's asking you for your everything, and you've been making excuses, and, and you've not been saying yes. Say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done today. Let your will be done in me today. Right now, say, Lord God, I submit my mind to my regenerated spirit. I submit my body that it will not be used as an instrument of unrighteousness. I submit my body. I submit that want to sin to the power of the regenerated spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For more information and to stay up to date with what's happening in the life of Church on the Rock, please visit us on the web at cotrag.org. Thanks again for tuning in.